0: Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Read with your money, only on Money FM 89.3.
1: Welcome to Read on the harborside front of the Fullerton Hotel here in Singapore stands a memorial to a pole who engineered quite a midlife career pivot, going from British seaman to English novelist under the name. Joseph Conrad. The dedication refers to Conrad as the British master mariner and great English writer who made Singapore and the whole of Southeast Asia better known to the world. The beginning of Conrad's book, The End of the Tether, is set in Singapore, where his captain Whaley is ending his days. Conrad best describes the shipping in Singapore, along the Singapore Strait, with these lines. Some of these avenues ended at the sea. It was a terraced shore, and beyond, upon the level expanse, profound and glistening, like the gaze of a dark blue eye, an oblique band of stippled purple lengthened itself indefinitely, through the gap between a couple of verdant twin islets. In the 1880s, Joseph Conrad spent three occasions here in Singapore, working on ships across the region. Over the next three decades, he would return to Singapore in his writing. So what can we learn of our own history from Conrad's representation? And what can we glean of Singapore's role in the history of globalisation From his writing, what a portrait of Singapore, right, in the late 19th century. We are reading Tales of an Eastern Port, the Singapore novellas of Joseph Conrad. Joining me now is Kevin Riordan, who combines two Conrad novellas that start in Singapore, The End of the Tether and The Shadow Line, for the first time in this newly published book. Kevin is also a senior lecturer at the Yale NUS College. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, Conrad, a Pole by birth, was born in Ukraine back then. How did he first get to Singapore, and why was he here?
0: Uh, it's a long story. First, he he left and became a mariner out of out of Marseille in France, and eventually found work on on English ships. And uh, his first time here, he was on a ship from. England bringing coal to Bangkok and Siam, Um, but there was an accident, and he ended up accidentally in Singapore, and that became a a new base for him in the 1880s.
1: So after his accidental encounter with Singapore, was he fascinated with us in the late 19th century?
0: I I think he certainly was, and saw it as a kind of hub between um, all of these other places, and so he ends up writing. About more than half of his total works are set somewhere in Southeast Asia, usually about maritime journeys. And so all of these are kind of comings and goings and arrivals and departures from Singapore, as he did himself.
1: Well, I did not know that so much of his work uh, involved this part of the world. Tell us a little bit about where Singapore features in both his fiction and nonfiction work.
0: Yes, and so it shows up more in his fictions and and as I said, if, if someone is uh, is looking for just a portrait of Singapore, mm-hmm. you may be disappointed in that his his characters, much like himself, were were restless sailors and were often headed back out to sea um, and so Singapore becomes that kind of central node. In a network that is both colonial and maritime and commercial. And it, uh, these novellas, in particular, and Singapore for Conrad, become a kind of organizing principle mm. or a s- center of gravity for all of these stories and for his own work and experience.
1: So they're mostly traveling uh, to Borneo, to other parts of, of uh, this region.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And what stands out for you in terms of the way Conrad writes of Singapore in the 1880s?
0: Yeah, and so these these works come later when he's settled in England. And so they're kind of memory projects already. Mm. So he's writing in the early 1900s and then in the 19-teens, thinking about his experience in the 1880s. And the the work you read from to get us started, End of the Tether, um, has an older character who's thinking back further. And so um, there's these kinds of layers of memory. And so he's thinking about this character walking around the streets of Singapore in 1880. But for him, he's looking back at kind of the 1860s and the transition to becoming a crown colony. And so there's this kind of layered history where um, you can see the sort of changes happening, if the buildings are still under construction, and you have this kind of time capsule um, of, uh, of one period of time looking back on another period of time. And, and that's this kind of... Uh, The the literary quality perhaps comes from this intersection of all of this this very real place, but all of these characters negotiating it as uh, history and conditions change.
1: Let's take a step back, Kevin. Um, How do you come to put this book together? Share with us a little of your fascination with Joseph Conrad.
0: Sure, um, I'm a I'm a literature scholar who who looks at uh, at kind of world literature and how literature travels, and so um, I've I've often been interested in the journey as a kind of storytelling motif, and and have written about how people traveled around the world um, in the 19th and 20th century. When I arrived in Singapore, which was more than a decade now, you know, a lot of people. Uh, I needed to get up to speed on a lot of uh, singlet and, and local literature here, but, but some of my kind of international contacts were like, but what about Singapore? What about Conrad? What about Conrad? As the, uh, one of the more major figures who was here from the period I study in the, the late 19th and early 20th century. And so he became uh, a figure to kind of figure out and see how he fits and how he totally doesn't fit into, uh, into the literature that's both from here and about here.
1: So interesting. And from that perspective, you know, you've, you've come to Singapore. Is Conrad's uh, place here or memories of Singapore or his intersection with Singapore and his writing better known outside of Singapore and less referred to within Singapore writing?
0: I think so. There, there's a sense that um, he does have a, a rather devoted fan base. You know, there are scholarly societies about him in Japan and in France and in England and in mm-hmm. Poland. And so there's a way that he has this readership who imagined Singapore through, through Conrad's eyes. Whereas within Singapore, I think Conrad was often taught as a kind of colonial writer or a great English writer, and people might read Heart of Darkness, which is principally set in, in Congo, right. in Africa. And so uh, many people here are kind of surprised to find out that, oh, wait, a bunch of his books are here? And um, that that becomes a kind of new discovery with local readers.
1: Well, speaking of uh, the colonial viewpoint can we get a sense of Joseph Conrad's views of locals who lived right here in Singapore? What of what the lived history of Singapore can we learn from his writing?
0: Yeah, and so, you know, he is uh, this kind of displaced individual. When he is here, he's actually, uh, he's, he's Polish, but uh, he's a subject of the Russian Empire. He hasn't become a subject of the English Empire yet. So he's he's looking at... Singapore of the time and, uh, and sort of trying to understand the the forces and the kind of imperial, uh, competing imperial interests here and, and, and looking at the, the, the people living here and, and the streets and everything from from an outsider's eyes, but often kind of seeing the patterns that persist. So he's interested in seeing who the other workers are. And he's noticing that the coolies and some of the people working in the port are Chinese. He's, he's commenting and noting on the kind of Sikh police force. And so he's seeing a lot of these um, perhaps kind of common or stereotypical tropes of who is this cast of characters in Singapore. But unlike writing from the kind of perspective of the ruling class, he's interested on kind of who are the other people around the port, who are the other people working in this sense.
1: Do we get a sense uh, if he is largely critical of colonial rule or not?
0: Um, I think uh, in the long scheme of things, there is a kind of great ambivalence to this. Mm. Um, As as I said, he, he is a subject of one empire, becomes a subject of the other empire. And at one point he's actually in his last visit in Singapore, he is still a subject of the Russian empire and has also become a subject of the English empire, even though English is his third or fourth language. And so he has this sense of choosing the empire with which he um, will become affiliated and will become known as a great English writer. And so for those reasons, people often see him affiliated and kind of proud of the English empire, Mm -hmm. but when writing about it, it's usually captured in this kind of complicated ambivalence and um, a kind of uncertainty and this sort of fear and anxiety about power in the world and and what sort of made it possible for him to make all of these travels and have these experiences.
1: Coming back to your book, Tales of an Eastern Port, the newly released uh, book that pairs two Conrad novellas, I understand for the first time, why has it taken so long for these two to come together, do you think?
0: They have very different publication histories. Um, The first from 1902 is the end of of The Tether. It was actually published alongside Youth, which is one of his famous short stories, and Heart of Darkness as kind of Three Tales of the Sea. Um, The second work, um, uh, The Shadow Line, is from from 1918 um, and thereabouts and, and is written during the Great War. Um, and it is, uh, it's written in the first person, um, more reflective about autobiography. And so this work has just been treated as one of his later works, um, and people haven't kind of connected it up with his earlier works about Singapore. But it's kind of had its own story in part because of its perspective. And it's become famous for other reasons. Edward Said famously wrote his, his first book and his dissertation about it. And so that book had a kind of life of its own. And I did a little bit of a reunion by bringing it back together with another
1: work about Singapore. Very interesting. I'm a huge fan of Edward Said. Tell us a little bit about your read of Conrad's place within Singlit or the Singapore literary canon.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's certainly part of the, the literature about Singapore and that and comes from Singapore. But I, it would be presumptuous to kind of put it under the tagline of Singlit. Mm-hmm. Um that said, I think recently in Sing Lit, um, a lot of the interest is both on the contemporary and the emerging, which is very exciting, um, as well as the kind of post-independence canon, sort of what comes after 65, and especially starting in the 70s. I think recently there's been this turn to say, wait a second, even beyond literature, there's this much longer history. And that often takes us all the way back to 1299 or to kind of myths and foundational ideas, And to me, what's interesting about Conrad and his contemporaries is they give us a kind of middle point. You know, we can, we can look at the writing from the colonial period and realize that it is a, a time of change. And, you know, 1819 and uh, 1930 are very different periods. And uh, myself and some other scholars and publishers are kind of going back to these archives and finding what are some other books that were written from this earlier period that are sometimes insider accounts, sometimes outsider accounts, but how do we get a a broader history of the place and the city and the people, um, though not yet the nation, which is often what some of Singlet is more concerned with.
1: Where does Conrad sit within oceanic literature and why is he worth revisiting now if, if people haven't been steeped in his writing the way you have?
0: Yeah, so um, there's a kind of rise for curious readers about ocean literature uh, for a lot of reasons. One, I think um, stories of the ocean are implicitly uh, global or transnational. They weave the kind of comfortable boundaries of sometimes, I, oh, I like English novels or I read Russian novels. So the novels of the sea expose us to a kind of more global sensibility. Um, the second piece is a lot of people um, are drawn to them now in terms of climate change and the rising seas. Um, you know, something like that, that container ship getting stuck in the Suez Canal. We have this way of being connected to the world and the world of the ocean in both a natural way and also a kind of logistical way. (laughs) Um, And a lot of people are interested in representing that space, which has always been a great place of stories from from the Odyssey to the rhyme of the ancient mariner. You know, it's this sort of at one time, very traditional and classical way of telling stories. And it also seems very now as we think about uh, the seas changing around us.
1: If you can share with our readers the sort of pleasure you get from Joseph Conrad's writing,
0: um, yeah, you know, I've, I recently taught it and with my students here. It's not always the most riveting, you know, plot-driven <laughs> novel. It's not what people are looking for. But the kind of even hearing you read that little bit of an excerpt from the beginning, you know, there is a um, a richness to the language that I think was partially his coming to it as a as a third language and and seeing it as this kind of uh, open canvas. So mm-hmm. I, I personally find a kind of great beauty in some of that convolution and this way that he's threading together different characters' psychology and creating a landscape. And his language is very rich, often a little bit obscure or impenetrable, mm-hmm. but I think it, it rewards rereading and, and a kind of slower attention than we're sometimes used to as contemporary readers.
1: Well, thank you in 15 minutes for sharing a little glimpse of the beauty of Joseph Conrad. Kevin Riordan, Senior Lecturer at Yale NUS College and the man behind a newly published book, Tales of an Eastern Port, the Singapore Novellas of Joseph Conrad. This is Reid. I'm Michelle Martin. Thank you so much for your company. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app.